Good morning, everybody. Merry Christmas to those of you that celebrate the great holiday. I am out here in my pajamas, and I will keep them on all day. I'm in Loveland, Colorado on my mom's ranch where we are eating way too much cheese candy and are playing way too many games of sequence. I love that game. But wanted to say thank you to all of you and remind you my gift to you is all the data I work so hard to capture from CEOs on the show, B2B SaaS CEOs. Remember, you can get all the data free in a big, beautiful spreadsheet at gitlatka.com. That's G-E-T-L-A-T-K-A.com. Go there today and check it out. This is the Top Entrepreneurs Podcast, where founders share how they started their companies and got filthy rich or crash and burn. Each episode features revenue numbers, customer counts, and other insider information that creates business news headlines. We went from a couple hundred thousand dollars to 2.7 million. I had no money when I started the company. It was $160 million, which is the size of many IPOs. We're bootstrapped. We have like 22,000 customers. With over 5 million downloads in a very short amount of time, major outlets like Inc. are calling us the fastest growing business show on iTunes. I'm your host, Nathan Latka, and here's today's episode. Hello, everyone. My guest today is Rob Bernstein. He's the chief executive officer at Coupa and drives the company's strategy and execution. Over the past two decades, he's got experience in the business software industry, coming from Coupa from Success Factors, where he ran global product marketing and management as a member of the executive management team. The company scaled from an early startup to a successful public company. Before that, he directed product product management at Siebel Systems, where I helped build a Siebel ERM into the, one of the company's fastest growing product lines. He also did a stint in management consulting at McKinsey and & Company and spent four years at Accenture, where he focused on global SAP system implementations. All right, Rob, are you ready to take us to the top? Sure. Well, you, you've seen your fair share of kind of enterprise SaaS, huh? I have a couple of decades of it actually now, yeah. couple of decades. All right, tell us about Coupa. What's it doing? What's your business model? How do you make money? Well, our business model is subscription as, uh, as all SaaS companies, and we help organizations optimize the way they spend money. So we help them uh, with their procurement processes, their invoice processing, their expense reporting, sourcing, inventory management, supplier information management, every way that a company applies IT to help them optimize the way they spend money. And effectively save a lot in the process. So can you maybe tell a story about a, a real life customer using you in the specific part of Coupa that they're using? Sure. So we have customers ranging from some of the largest enterprises in the world, like an Airbus or Rolls Royce, Nike, uh, to small mid-market companies uh, that are that are high growth, uh, Uber, Lyft, uh, as, as examples. And the way they use it is very simple. A person in the organization needs to spend company money. The first place they go is Coupa. So they'll request the goods and services that they need. They'll go through a shopping cart-like experience, uh, whether it's a laptop uh, or uh, legal services, marketing collateral, whatever it may be, gets approved and gets routed to preferred suppliers. And then those suppliers uh, procure those goods and services. We handle all the back office reconciliation, invoicing, payments, um, and uh, the company is ensured that they're they're buying against these great rates and controlling their spend. And on average, just so we can avoid talking about every cohort, because I'm sure you do tons of cohort analysis, but on average, what's a customer or business paying you per per month or per year, whatever you track? Well, that's gone up uh, virtually every quarter now for 34 quarters. Uh, in the mid-market, it's uh, anywhere from you know 50000 to maybe 200000 or so dollars a year, so annual subscription. And in the yeah. enterprise, it's uh, hundreds of thousands, in many cases, uh, a couple of million dollars a year. 
Yep. And you said it's gone up pretty consistently over the past 36 quarters. What is what has been the main lever of that revenue expansion? Is it number of seats? Is it additional product upsells? Is it some other value or number based metric? No, it's the actually the depth and breadth of our overall platform. So when I talk about that number increasing for 34 quarters, I mean, every uh, new deals closed in the quarter, each substantive quarter continue to go up and they go up because we have a lot more to offer. We're much more of a legitimate player in the marketplace. We have uh, more referenceable customers. We have more capability, security, platform uh, level of capabilities. So it's, it's just more value that we offer and we, we get paid fairly. So, so Rob, just to be clear, a, a customer that signed up last quarter, let's say Q3 of 2017, what you're saying is their starting ACV is higher than a customer that signed up at the same period last year. Exactly. Got it. Exactly. Got it. And are you, are you having to retrain or update or do something different with your inside sales force to drive those gains? Or do they just have more things to sell and more value to add? Well, a lot of that value comes from a lot of that higher price point quarter in quarter out comes from just the, the, the platform itself, awareness of us in the marketplace, the referenceability of the customers. So it's the market pricing that's taking us up and we, we, we compete with some of the largest enterprise software companies in the world. So these are still very small price points. Uh, well, Oracle, SAP, and others. You, you you look annoyed when you even just say their name. Well, I'm not annoyed. I, I would just say ultimately our competition is ourselves. It's not really any of these players. I mean, it's, these, this is a very large market. It's about a $25 billion market. So for us, it's much more about what we could do for customers, how we can innovate, how we can push more value to our customers. That's, that's where the real uh, playground is. It's not about so much competing against those larger players. I mean, in many, many cases, we replace a lot of the functionality they might have sold one day, but they just never really, the customers never really deployed. What year did you launch the company in? The company was, we really got going in 2009, January, February, 2009. And why do you say really got going? Was 2008 a str- the struggle years or what? No, 2009 were struggle years, 10, 11, <laughs> I mean, still, every quarter. It still was a war, right? Yeah, it's always a war. It's, it's execution, right? It's day in, day out execution. So no, I, it's just different sets of challenges every year, uh, but uh, but we feel like we're on a way to, to doing something pretty special here. Bootstrapped or raised capital, and if raised, how much? We've raised a total of, I think now, uh, I think about 180, and then we did an IPO. Uh, so after the IPO was about 75, we did a secondary. So a few hundred million, and... Uh, you know, we've got a couple hundred million in the bank right now too. We still have a- There's two kind of points in the company growth I want to go back to. One is the day, the day you decide you're going to take your first round of capital. And the second is the day you decide that you wanted to go public or that that was your best option at that point. So take me back to that first decision. When did you decide you wanted to raise capital and why did you decide to go that route? I, the reality is with that with, with a software as a service business, your sales and marketing costs up front are relatively high. Your development costs are relatively high and you're not getting paid back for a bit. So you can use a capital infusion to get the wheels spinning a bit. And once you do, uh, you have the opportunity to start getting scale. So we've expanded our margins for, for virtually every quarter for 34 quarters, both subscription margin, growth margin. And we've been now cash flow uh, positive for the last uh, trailing 12 months. So we've gotten to a place where now we don't necessarily need capital. But but to the, to the point you made about why, you know, so IPO, then you have another event. 
that's more for marketplace legitimacy. It helps customers feel much more confident that you're around for the long term. You're not just going to you know, get tucked in somewhere. You mentioned payback period a second ago. Currently, what what payback period are you optimizing for? Maybe just talk either you pick either your mid-market or enterprise cohort. Well, we've always been optimizing on LTV to CAC, so uh, lifetime value of a customer, and then CAC being cost of customer acquisition. So, you know, we're running really well there. It's about a over eight, but you know, I think publicly, we, 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 you know, to be safe, we talk about a little bit lower, six or something like that. But reality is, once we have customers join us and we do right by them, there's a low likelihood they're going to churn. So it's all about then trying to get them on board in a relatively cost-effective manner, and then uh, you know, build a long-term business off it. You know, Rob, you know this, and you've already thought about it, but I want to tease it out for the audience. You know, having a healthy L2 to CAC ratio can actually kill you from a cash gap perspective if it takes you too long to recover that and get that ratio. So you still have to think about time period. What does it take you right now to recover your CAC? I mean, is it twelve months? You know, fifteen, six. Uh, we slice that by market when we look at it internally, but we don't share that publicly. Okay. Is there, is there something you would recommend for someone kind of in the same space should be optimizing for in terms of payback? Let's focus just right now on your enterprise accounts when it's more than a $200,000 ACV. I would much more have them, I would suggest them to focus much more on how sticky their product is because I get the point of getting their money back and recovering and the importance of that. But if they churn after three years or four years, eventually you burned out. You burn anyways. So you're much better thinking about how could I integrate to existing systems? How could I make the platform sticky and valuable such that the likelihood of churn is very, very low? Whether it's year four, five, six, or seven, I think that's how you build a, a long-term valuable business. I wouldn't be overly worried about oh, got to get the money back within this period. You, you got to if you believe in your offering and you, and you see the the opportunity set in the market. I'd focus more on stickiness and long-term value creation. In your mid-market cohort, we'll talk about stickiness since that seems like to be a big focus. In your mid-market cohort, what's your logo retention annually? We don't talk about logo retention either publicly. Uh, what's it, like what's said, it definitely above? You can give a big range if you want. Oh, I mean, obviously nine, above 90, obviously. Got it. So logo retention in mid-market is above 90%. Um, yeah, I'll, I'll give you another stat that that's meaningful on this. So our revenue retention is uh, been roughly around 95% for, for years. And with add-on business, which we're not focused on at all, it's nearly about 110%. So this is very healthy. That's that's net negative revenue retention. Expansion is more than what you lost plus, yeah, yeah. 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 Uh, yeah, no, those, I mean, these are, there's a reason you've raised that much money and you've gone public and your cash flow positive, right? Then the numbers work. What I, what I'm trying to figure out with this kind of interview, because, you know, there's only, I've probably had 20 people on like you, it's a very small group of people, you know, someone just starting does care about getting that money back quick. Cause they don't have 180 million bucks in funding. Maybe you never had a payback issue problem. Cause you always were really good at getting non-dilutive, good, healthy valuations and, and good new capital in the company. Um, is there an, can you think back to when you're growing the company, when your mindset was shifting between what like levers to pull or was it always yeah. just, okay, tell me, tell me yeah. that story. No, I ran it a lot more around the SaaS magic number. So I maintained the sales and marketing efficiency within a tight band and still do for, for the last 34 quarters. So if you're sort of over one on SaaS magic number, you're under pressing into the market. You're below 0.5. You're kind of risky, and you you could argue maybe even buying the business. So you could stay at kind of 0.75, 
you know, if you're a little over efficient, invest in longer term payback areas like new markets, new geographies, new product lines. If you're below, you know, you should kind of slow down and figure out if the, if the product market fit is starting to, uh, you know, de- degrade. So, so that's the way I've looked at it. If people want to calculate that number for themselves, describe the math equation to them. Yeah, I mean, if there's a number of different ways to do it, but effectively you take, you know, you take the current revenue this quarter minus last quarter. So you see how much new revenue did you just create? And then you divide that by the sales and marketing costs of the quarter before. Now that assumes it's a roughly quarter sales cycle, but you could you could take that out by doing trailing 12 months magic number, which takes out any kind of confusion or seasonality or anything that, that presents itself. You're basically trying to assess how much sales and marketing is it costing you to get that incremental dollar of recurring revenue. And if that ratio stays within the bands I talked about, you're in a good spot. Uh, just, you just don't want to be, again, too dilutive or too much missing the opportunity. Do you go really conservative on this and multiply it by gross margin on the end for you guys internally or no, you ignore that? We've looked at that, but no, no, I haven't. I, not, not during those quarters, we didn't know. Our gross margins have carefully expanded also for about 34 quarters. I mean, they were kind of 30% now, you know, we're touching 70%. Subscription is 90 something. So we don't have an issue there. Yep. Uh, take me back. Well, actually, I mean, tell me now. So how many customers are you serving today? Uh, the last public number we shared is, is 530, something like that, 530. 530. And okay, so mo- you definitely aren't playing an enterprise space then to have the kind of, yeah. Um, got it. And do you see kind of Pareto's principle in your revenue split? Do you see 80% of your customers making up, you know, which is your mid-market making up just 20% of your revenue and vice versa? The larger customers make up the vast majority of the revenue and the, the smaller ones make up the logos, obviously. Yep. Um, I assume it's public because you're a public company. What was total revenue last year? Yeah, all this posted, roughly 140 something. Yeah, and now you're just saving me from doing the research. So about 140 million bucks annually last year. For you as a SaaS CEO in the public market, what are you trying to grow by year over year? Well, we've been growing, you know, 40 something percent, but you know, we, we run the business on a couple of different levers. I mean, one is sustained 30% plus growth rate and about 90% of our revenue is recurring. So that's, that makes the business, you know, that much more valuable. The other is staying within this tight band of sales efficiency I talked about. And third is beginning to show real leverage in the business in terms of cash flow. So as long as we can stay within those three, that's kind of how we, we think about running it. Have you done any acquisitions yet? And if not, do you think about doing them for growth? Uh, well, we've done acquisitions. Uh, we've done them largely aqua hires and a couple of places, little little technology tuck-ins. Well, you do everything to some extent for growth, not growth in terms of the revenue that these companies are bringing us because there's not much there, but growth in terms of uh, the value proposition that we're offering so that our customers have something much more meaningful to uh, to partner with us around. Guys, I get asked all the time, Nathan, you host all these interviews, hundreds of them per month. How do you do them efficiently? And guys, the answer is simple. People always agree to my calendar, back-to-back meetings. I batch my interviews to stay very efficient. And the way that I do it is I use a tool called Acuity Scheduling at NathanLatka.com forward slash schedule. And the reason I use them is very simple. They keep my no-show rate very low because they send out reminders about when the interview or the meeting is coming up. And also, they make it very easy to schedule time, right? I don't have to go back and forth via email 10,000 times with people I'm trying to meet with. Okay, at NathanLatka.com forward slash schedule. Helps me so much. And by the way, Look, I like have so many meetings. I'm the best at meetings. Okay, I do them back to back. Very, very efficient. You guys know me. 
many people say I'm the most efficient they've ever seen. Okay, so I use the tool. It's so efficient. And by the way, I got Gavin. I said, Gavin, he's the CEO. I said, I want a great deal for my people. He said, Nathan, well, most people get a 14-day trial. Isn't that great? I said, no. He's given us a 45-day free trial at nathanlatka.com forward slash schedule. That's not going to stay up forever, so go get it now. nathanlatka.com forward slash schedule. There are some there are some companies that I've talked to in kind of the B two B SaaS space where whether they want to admit it publicly or not, and I won't name names, they see what their PE ratio is, and they know they can go buy a company at you know at, at a revenue multiple that is lower than what the public markets will value the same revenue. You just don't even play those games. No, that's just CFO finance spreadsheet arbitrage stuff, and we're we're focused on customer value creation. What can we give them today? And if we don't have certain pieces, we can get there faster, then we consider it. Number one on the list of acquisitions is the actual people. Are they into what we're doing and they want to help us get there faster? That's the driver. It's, it's not. That's, that's something you do at a very different stage. We're not, not. You're, you're pretty rare. Well, first off, IPO date was October 2016, right? Last year? That's right. Yeah, and you were, I mean, and just to be clear, you didn't come in with a VC round and you were an EIR or something and you were one of the, the founders, right? No, actually one uh, gentleman from Oracle uh, left, started the company. They got it to about 19 people. Uh, and that's why I said to you, January 09, that's when I came in. Remember that was a very tough time. Yeah. I have taken the company down a lot. And three months later, we only had six of the same 19 people. And then we started building from there. So we kind of, you could argue restarted, maybe, maybe not, but we really got really got going with the company. You was it pre-funding though when you came in? No, no, no capital been raised yet. No, there was there was capital. How, how much? There was a million in angels. It was called a Series A, but it was a million, and then there was about six more. Okay, so did I mean did you come in? But because a VC firm said, "Hey, founder, you're not doing well. We need to bring in Rob. He's done this before." I don't know if a VC firm said that. I was thinking about this space for some time, and and I networked with these these folks, and it just just makes sense. I don't think he was necessarily doing anything bad or good. He was just doing the best he could with it. Yeah, uh, your brain going from that size company to where you are today. I mean, that is a that is a lot of change you go through in terms of what your day to day looks like. Do you ever go, gosh darn it, just give me a folding table, a computer, and a basement, and some pizza, and I'll be real happy. <laughs> Well, sometimes I miss coding. I like programming. I say I miss that. But otherwise, no, I like the challenges that come with this. I mean, it's a whole new set of challenges every quarter. We're up to 850 or so people. We're a global company now. Uh, I said 100 customers. So I like every part of it. It's fun. If uh, if Salesforce comes in and and offers you, call it, you know, $3 billion to, to you know, bring you on under their wing, do you take the deal? Uh, I don't think that way. I really don't think that way at all. I really don't think that way. No, we really love. It's not about if you think that way. I'm just saying, let's say it happened. You you get an email, the thing's there. Generally, how do you think about an acquisition offer? Well, you do your job as a CEO. You take the the papers, you bring it to your board, and you have a good, thoughtful dialogue about it. I mean, along the way, you can imagine a lot of people have been interested in in, in this company. But what are they interested in if they are? They're interested in what we're doing in the marketplace, how we're innovating, how we're driving customer value. That's what we'll focus on in every day. I, I don't, I don't spend time on stuff. Last, last, last moment in your history. I want to focus on before we wrap up. Um, I think your valuation took a hit and now this sounds negative, but I think you'll explain it strategically. When, when you IPO, 
your valuation day one, or at least the $18 price point was lower, I think, than the last valuation, your, your last funding round in the pri- pub, private markets. Is that accurate or no? No, no, it's not accurate. It's not accurate. We, we, it's, it, the, the, it was actually the other way around. It went up going so much higher that you know, it was sort of had to be well, no, 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 Rob, uh, Rob, you increased big, big time on day one. I'm talking, I'm talking when you priced it, not on day one. I know you killed it on day one, but when you priced it at 18, that I believe was conservative relative to the valuation you'd already received in the private markets. Is that accurate? No, 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 that's not accurate either. We were somewhere in that same neighborhood. It was just like roughly unicorn kind of thing. We entered in at the same place and then it went up to, I don't know. 1.7 billion or something. And it's, so it's been around that up and down in that category for, for a while. And that general space. Cut your brain apart for me in that moment. You decide to go public. Why? Why decide to go public as an instrument to raise capital or legitimize yourself or, or what? Was it really just that legitimizing the business? Legitimacy. Legitimacy was very important because when you go on, you know, when you're going in there and you're closing deals that are one, two million dollars a year, the buyer wants to know that you're in it to win it. You're in it for the long term. You're building a you know, real business. And so that was very important. And just awareness, market awareness as well as, as a standalone uh, platform. So that, that was the fundamental driver. And that's worked out. I didn't know. Quarter, first quarter in, I wasn't sure. Now, four quarters in, I could tell that that was, that was a wise move for us. All right, let's wrap up, Rob, with the famous five. These are one word answers. Number one, what's your favorite business book? Favorite business book. I, I still haven't read it. I've read so many, but I still haven't read it. I'm, I'm still open to, 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 I'll be at the airport tomorrow. We'll see what they have. All right. Number two, is there a CEO you're following or studying? You know, a lot of them, a lot of them. I mean, I, all the ones that you'd imagine, right? You know, Steve Jobs around innovation, you know, uh, uh, John Chambers, I've had a chance to meet around growth, and s- sustaining growth in the long term. Just so many, you know. I, I had a chance to meet a lot in business school, so I, I follow a lot, of, a lot of folks. Try to get the best out of each one, you know. Number three, uh, besides your own, is there a favorite online tool that you have, like maybe Acuity Scheduling? No, my favorite online tool is email. I think it's highly underrated. I think people avoid it too much. They text each other. They put on other applications. I think it's it's all you need to communicate with a lot of people very quickly. I, I like it a lot. Number four, how many hours of sleep do you get every night? Oh, anywhere between two and 10. So if there's a <laughs> too many nights of two, then it becomes 10. And uh, once in a while, there's a 10 in there that really, uh, that really works for me. And what situation? Married, single, you have kids? Married, two boys, uh, 12 and eight. And how old are you, Rob? I am 44. All right. Remember yesterday, yeah. Good. Hey, happy birthday. Last question. Take us back 24 years. What do you wish your 20-year-old self knew? <laughs> probably knew that there's a lot more opportunity in the world that could be explored faster. I probably wouldn't have been uh, as focused on being well-rounded. I probably wouldn't have ran. I probably would have ran out to Silicon Valley earlier. There you guys have it. Don't focus so much on being well-rounded. There's a lot of opportunity out there. Go for it from Rob. Joined Coupa back many years ago in 2007 or 2009. Uh, since the company's raised 180 million bucks, obviously went public, uh, raised a bunch of capital. They're now, again, helping many of these companies, the largest companies in the world, 500, over 500, really do uh, expense management and helping folks understand uh, inside of companies uh, you know, what to buy, how to buy. You know, almost like a, It's not really an RFP. Rob, but but helping people get best prices for things their employees need and managing all of it in one spot. Thank you so much for taking us to the top. You bet.